When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code POD to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code POD at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code POD. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list, making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello, and welcome into At The Turn. Hope you all enjoyed the Match Play Championship as much as I did, and Nick enjoyed, I believe, most of it. Is that right, Nick? I did enjoy quite a bit of it. I enjoyed six-sevenths, to be precise, of the <laughs> Match Play Championship. We're going to talk about the fact that drivers are so expensive. Tony Romo played some golf this weekend on the PGA Tour. He didn't do great. And then we'll update our bets as well. So, Nick, let's start with the Match Play Championship, and perhaps we'll work chronologically backwards. Let's start with the final. Kevin Kisner wins, getting some revenge for his runner-up finish last year. Got drubbed by Bubba Watson in the final, but he wins over Matt Kuchar, who was one of your picks to win the whole thing. Yeah, I had Kuch at plus 4,600, Joe. Uh, so I was pretty excited when I saw him in the finals. Kiz, um, that guy's solid. I mean, he, he was in... The, just the fact that he made the the championship match two years in a row in the match play is is really incredible, actually. And I don't think that that's probably very underrated because um, it's just so it can be so random. It's so much different than what the guys are used to week in and week out on the PGA Tour. Um, so all the credit to Kiz. He, he was solid. Um, he's a cool dude, too. Uh, if you listen to some of his interviews and stuff, he's quite the character. Um, so happy for Kiz, but uh, it would have been really nice. For that, uh, for that bet on Cooch to hit once he was in the finals. I think a lot of people's takeaway, I saw a lot of golf media on Twitter talking about how Kevin Kisner just needs to be in every team event from now on. And I think he pretty safely earned his spot on the President's Cup team from his performance today. So now what is he? 13-1 the last two years in this event? That's pretty damn impressive. Is that is that right? Because I mean, he could have lost a a, a match like go early in the match. week. Yeah, he could have lost a pool play match and still advance. So I don't know if that if that stat is correct or not. Probably but not, but it's pretty close. To it. <laughs> it sounds really good though. So <laughs> never let the facts get in the way of a good story. But it shouldn't it be a fact that Kevin Kisner should be on the Presidents Cup team purely based on his performance in this event the last two years? 
Absolutely. I mean, that's it. It really is incredible, and it's not only just match play, but a world golf um, world golf championship is the top what sixty guys in the world are are in this field. So it's not like he's just beating up nobodies. Um, it's it's a competitive field, and you don't. And, and Molinari had a good run as well, and then obviously what he did at the Ryder Cup kind of speaks to that too. That those guys just bring it when it comes to match play, and I don't I don't know what it is, but um, it's pretty fun to watch. What do you think? Joe, about just watching the match play compared to a regular stroke play tour event? I think it's fun watching it once a year. I'd probably like it if they had another one in the fall, like a fall match play event. I get a kick out of it. It's definitely a much different rhythm than a regular stroke event, but I do enjoy it. I think it's one of those things where the final day and especially the final afternoon, perhaps isn't as entertaining as it could be. And it makes sense that they have a consolation match for the losers of the semifinal round, because if you just had one match, two guys out there for presumably, at minimum, a three-hour, as long as four-and-a-half-hour broadcast, it's difficult to fill enough air. So I like it. I probably enjoy it the most when you get into the round of 16 and the quarterfinals because at that point then you have enough matches to have variety of players and storylines you know the kids versus cooch thing is fun you get two americans two of like the second tier american players and that's fun but if you didn't have Beauregard and molinari in a consolation match i don't think you have enough joe i actually love the match play and I agree with you. I think they should do another one in kind of the off season because it is the logistics behind it are impossible. So I get why they can't really do it because you need seven rounds to have a winner. And the reason why they had to switch to pool play was because you can't have everybody to a tournament and then send half the guys home after the first day. Um, but that makes it even another round. And then Saturday and Sunday, they're, they're playing you know two rounds each day. It's a lot. Logistically, it's hard for the TV coverage because you don't know if the match is going to go to extra holes or like last year, Kisner lost seven and six to Bubba. So there are a lot of challenges associated with having match play on a regular basis. But like Tiger's event, for example, with 20 guys, there's no reason you couldn't make that match play um, and have some fun with it. It's in December. It's in the Bahamas. You know, you could you know do whatever. You could have some fun with it. So you have match play, say... If you lose in the first round, you just have either consolation matches or uh, you know a losers bracket or whatever it might be, because um, it doesn't really matter quite as much anyways. So I would like to see more of it. Any any time they do something other than the traditional stroke play, I'm down with it. The New Orleans event where it's the team play, the Stableford I really don't care for, but I give them props that they're doing something different. So I oh. like the match play. I like to see more of it. I have to I have to push back on the Stableford for a second because. The Stableford format was justified with one shot, and I can't remember what it was. I mean, we're talking 15, 20 years ago at this point. They used to have the Stableford tournament every year. It used to be called the International, and they did it in Colorado, like a mile and a half up in the air. So these guys would hit the ball a mile. They'd go crazy low. It would be amazing. The modified Stableford they go format, high. They do go high. <laughs> yes. Good point. The modified Stableford format, you get eight points for a double eagle. and on the 71st hole of this tournament, God, I think it was Steve Lowry, just like a big, frumpy American, 
he dunks one from like 230 to get eight points in the second to last hole and ends up winning the tournament. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen on a golf course. So I'm going to say just for the possibility of that existing, the stable format, I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I mean, if I was watching and that happened, I'd probably agree. But until that happens, when I'm actually <laughs> sitting in front of my couch watching, I really don't care for it. But like I said, props anytime they try something other than the traditional stroke play. Well, one cool thing about the match play is occasionally you will get a very interesting matchup that everyone wants to see. This is the first time Tiger Woods has played in this event, I think since 2013. Certainly the first time since they switched to this golf course, which I love, by the way. Fabulous golf course for this tournament because of the way the last few holes are. But Tiger Woods outlasts his pool, gets to the round of 16 to take on Rory McIlroy. Did you watch much of this match? It looked like you were out and about when it was happening. Joe, I made plans probably back in December or January and um, with my wife. Her, her, she had a team banquet and a couple other functions. So I was bouncing around literally to three different soccer functions and I didn't watch a single second of the match, the Tiger-Rory match. So it was an extraordinary golf. Tiger outlasts Rory, but I think he was one down going into the par five, and Rory blasts this tee shot. Blasts it. He has, I think, a nine iron or a pitching wedge in. He's one down with three to play, and it looks like he's going to win the hole to get it to all square going into 17. And he hits this shot. It just balloons up, and it goes like 30 yards short of the green in a bunker. Then he tries to like blast it out. It goes over the green. He ends up totally screwed up the hole, loses the hole to Tiger, and then eventually loses the match. So it was a situation where it looked like we could have had a, like an incredible photo finish, and Rory just kind of choked it away down the stretch. It was a little bit of a bummer. It was cool to see, though, just those two guys battling out in that kind of format. So. That is the big plus side of this tournament. Occasionally, it leads to a matchup like this with a lot of the line. Yeah, I was thinking about all the hype around the Tiger-Phil match and how staged it was and how much you know commercial entities had their fingerprints all over it. And the fact that this Tiger-Rory thing came pretty, na I mean, as naturally as it can come on the PGA Tour was pretty awesome. And it was pretty sporadic. And I remember... Um, late on Friday, people being like, if Tiger makes it through, it's going to be him versus Rory. And it was like, oh, my God. And it made like Friday that much more exciting. And then the match on Saturday. Um, I think that's I think that's awesome. So, um, oh, my God, I wish I, I just wish I could have sat on my couch for five hours and watched that match. So after Tiger beats Rory, he advances to the quarterfinals. And at this point, I'm starting to think, oh, man, Tiger, Tiger may actually put a little run together here. He had a lead early in his match with Lucas Beauregard. Is that what it was? Beauregard? Beauregard? Yeah, it's it's almost like Beauregard, but like Beauregard. 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 Yeah, right there. Dutch. The stylish Dane who ended up... Yeah, he actually finished fourth in the tournament, so ha had a very nice run. Tiger was up early. He won uh, uh, Beauregard. There we go. Won a few <laughs> holes late in that match, and Tiger had a four-footer to send it to the 19th hole, and it lipped out. It was really, really weird watching Tiger miss a big short putt like that. I've never seen one where it's like, okay, everything's on the line. You know Tiger's going to make it because he's Tiger. That's the first time I've ever seen that happen, Nick. Did you, watching that putt, did you know he was going to make it? No, I had to work. So I was <laughs> I was actually, no. I, no, I was actually watching the match, and... 
for those that don't know that are listening, I host uh, a TV show for the Portland Trailblazers, their, their pregame show, and the Blazers had a game that coincided with Tiger's match. So they literally were tied on the 18th tee, and the cameras were on, and I had to start talking about basketball. Oh as, if I cared, as if I cared at all what was going on with the Blazers at that point. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I was, I was dialed into Tiger Tracker, so I'm, like, at this soccer game, and I'm like just refreshing my phone, so all the parents behind me are probably looking over my shoulder. I, I'm sure like half the dads were like, "What's Tiger doing?" And so I saw that he's got a, a putt to extend the match, and then like I keep refreshing, and finally it's like he missed it. It's over, and I'm like, "Oh my god, no!" So then I could focus my attention to soccer. But no, it was, I mean, it was drama. But the fact that Tiger Tiger knocked off Rory, and we've talked about it, Joe. Rory's probably in the best form of anybody in the world right now this spring. Um, for Tiger to go toe to toe and knock him off for the second time since last August, um, I think it bodes very well for our man heading in uh, this close to the Masters. It gets me excited. <laughs> it gets me excited. Masters is coming up. Uh, speaking of Masters, the 2017 champion, Sergio Garcia, had himself a decent tournament in Austin, hometown of his wife. But he certainly made some headlines. He made more headlines than putts, that's for sure. Here's the latest news from NPR. Sorry, sorry, Siri thinks oh. I wanted some Siri. Siri uh, thought I wanted some news, but she was wrong. And and from NPR too. So Sergio, <laughs> well, I saw you tweeting about this. What was going on Twitter, man? Well, so for those of you who don't know, I'll just set the stage very quickly. Matt Kuchar and Sergio Garcia were in a match, and I don't know what point of the match this was in, but uh, it was like the 11th or 12th hole. Okay, and Kucha was in some serious trouble, and Sergio had basically two putts to win a hole, I think, for about 10, 15 feet. He missed his first putt a little bit low, and he walked up to his second putt, and just with the back of his putter, just hastily whacked at it to try to tap it in the hole, but missed that one too, to essentially go from two putts to win the hole to losing the hole. Um, I'm not sure if I got that 100% right. Does that sound right? So I'll clean that up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, please. As I say it out loud, I'm like, the math is not adding up. So basically, Sergio had a putt to win the hole. And it was about a five-footer. Very easy putt. Like, just some speed on the right edge. He totally gags it, which always makes me happy because it's Sergio. And the ball is like two inches away from the hole. But him, he reacted so quickly from the time his ball stopped to when he picked it up Matt Kuchar didn't concede the putt. Like, Matt Kuchar was just standing by his bag and, like, just watched the whole thing happen. Like, all Sergio probably had to do was look up at Matt Kuchar or compose himself as a 40-year-old man long enough to say, hey, Matt, is this good? Or just chill or out. Or just knock it in. It's sitting on the rim of the cup. Like, you don't – that's the th thing, too, is people asking for putts when it's an inch from the cup. Like, just tap it in. If, if it's, it's less effort than asking for it, you're not going to miss it if you if – you, put two eyes on it. So at, at the end of the day, Sergio picks up his ball. He loses the hole because Matt Kuchar never conceded it. Well, he didn't. He, he was actually trying to tap that putt in. Are we talking about two different putts? Because there was definitely one where Sergio picked up his ball and as a result, he lost the hole. Yeah, he, he missed the putt. His putt was a couple inches from the cup and he goes with the back of his putter and jabs at the hole and it didn't go in and he yeah, we're talking about the same one you're you're saying he just went down and picked it up the yeah. reality is he jabbed at it with his putter to tap it in but missed and then picked it up 
I don't know if that's right. <laughs> it's all over Twitter. Are you serious? Hold on. <laughs> Live fact checking on that turn. What I saw, Nick. Yeah, I'm telling tell, you, me what, tell me what you saw. What I saw is what I described. Sergio had a five-foot putt. Sergio picked up his putt. Like, he may have scooped it up with the back of his putter. That could be the middle ground we're not talking about here. We'll let the fans decide. <laughs> we'll let the fans decide. Either way, Sergio, because of his hasty actions, his fiery demeanor, wasn't able to compose himself. And as instead of having the hole, he lost the hole. And did I see something where Sergio thought it was like sporting of Kucher if he would have conceded a hole later because of this mistake? Yeah, so this is, so we, we got off the rails there. My video is still loading because I have like 13 tabs open. But <laughs> but with the, my issue was everybody's saying, well, Kucher is a bad guy because he should have given the putt to Sergio. And then, which he didn't have time to do it. And then after the fact, Kucher should have either lied to the rules official and told him that he said that the putt was good when he hadn't, or per Sergio's request, conceded an entire hole after that incident. So I'm just defending my boy Cooch because all the people who want to bandwagon on top of him and say that it's his fault. I'm sorry, my video is playing and it's distracting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> People are people are putting this somehow on Kucher because they're mad at him about the caddy incident from Mexico, and now they're saying, "See, we told you Kucher's such a bad guy. He didn't concede this putt, and he didn't concede an entire hole after the fact." When really, Sergio is acting like a child. He should have, like you said, taken his time, either looked up at Kucher or just tapped the putt in. He did neither, and then he's complaining about it and, and basically saying that, trying to put it on Kucher. Do you just like Kucher to be a contrarian? No, I just I just always have liked him, and I feel like people are ganging up on him, and I I feel like nobody's really coming to his defense, and I don't think that he's really doing anything that's indefensible. Well, I know your feelings on the caddy thing. You're okay with that, which is fine. We'll take that out of the equation. Yeah, he fulfilled his agreement. Okay, great. Moving on. So, do you think Pooch have... did anything wrong in this in this instance in this match no, play situation? No. There's there's no way to look at this and say Matt Kuchar was an error. Kuchar literally did nothing. Like, he did nothing. Sergio did everything, and Sergio's actions are the reason why he lost that hole. And I don't know if you saw, well, you didn't. The very next hole, Sergio missed another short putt and takes, like, a giant baseball swing with his putter. I did see that. It. And actually, Paul Azinger, who I think is doing a – Below average job filling in for Johnny Miller. I'm surprised. I thought he'd be doing better. But he did get off a very good line when Sergio did that. He said, well, there are a lot of gnats out there today, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with Sergio, but clearly he has no fuse. He's just – he's got such a bad temper, and he just throws these temper tantrums on the golf course. You'd think he would have learned, but to behave like that on a golf course, I just think – I don't know. I'm I'm concerned for his well-being. There's got to be something going on that that's not good because um, he seems to have no patience in a sport that requires much patience. Well, look, Greg Norman's daughter, I think it's Greg Norman's daughter, broke his heart, and he was a mess for a couple years. I thought he was very happy with the family life. He got his lady. He's got a kid. He's got a green jacket. He's got to calm down, man. He's like 41, 42 years old now. Like. 
you, we always think of Sergio as like a young, fiery Spaniard, but you know when they have the pictures of the players up, like on the screen on the television when they're when they're showing who's playing each other. Mm-hmm. Sergio's got a lot of wrinkles in that face, so he's 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 no spring chicken, is what I'm trying to say, Nick. I love the fact that it's not quite yet even April, and we've already been talking about Sergio's age all year on at the turn. Have we really? Oh yeah, after the uh, after the. Um incident in the european tour where he was smashing the bunkers we're like this guy's 40 years old i think yeah. he's actually 39 maybe he's just turning 40 but either way he's acting like a two-year-old uh you you have a uh something in here about it being called halved instead of all square what did you, did you notice did you notice um so along with the new rules of golf joe they they changed the nomenclature associated with match play like they they removed a hole being halved and they changed it to tied and they removed a match score being all square and changed it to tied. And I just was really curious if you had any thoughts on that. I didn't realize that it was like an official thing. I just thought oh, it was it's official. Wow. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't really <laughs> care to be honest. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a, a big deal, whatever they call it. I mean, halves all square. I think it's, I think it's fine either way. Do you have a strong opinion? One way or another on this? Um, I think it's, I mean, for people who are familiar with golf, it's going to sound foreign. It's just going to sound just kind of weird being like, oh, they tied the hole. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. But I guess I can understand it from the perspective of if you're an outsider to golf and they're trying to grow the game and include you and you're watching the game and you're, you're watching a match and you're saying, why did they say all squares? Why wouldn't they just say tied? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it does make it more. It does make it more inclusive, and people view golf <laughs> as an exclusive game. So, tied is you know more appropriate. <laughs> it's why. Well, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash soccer because I know your wife is very involved with the sport. But bash away, nil nil instead of tie. That is so pretentious. It is. It it, it is. And I think that's the. It's the exact same philosophy here. Is oh, the match is all square, you know, and it's yeah. like okay, well. Let's bring it in. But yeah. So from that standpoint, great. Um, it still sounds weird to me. I'm gonna I'll still say halved in all square. Well well, Nick. I'm all out of Arnold Palmer. Should we take a break? All right, so a reminder that this program is brought to you exclusively by the number one German golf ball on planet Earth, Vice Golf. New promo code. Nick is yesterday's news. You don't use it anymore. Hybrid. H-Y-B-R-I-D. Put it in. You're going to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Your backpacks, your bags, tees, gloves, hats, and more. Vicegolf.com. Promo code hybrid. Joe, during the break, I made you go on Twitter and... Find the Sergio video because we had a disagreement. We had an un an unplanned disagreement on the show, which probably should happen more often. Um, about what really happened and what did you what did the video evidence tell you? Uh, well, I wish your question was less condescending, but I'll still. <laughs> you should be so, used to it by now. Sergio misses the putt. I forgot how badly you missed the initial putt. It was not a good putt, and he does like take a stab at the ball. 
And he actually makes good contact with the ball, but he hits it so hard that it loops out and hits him in the foot, and he kind of picks it up and walks away. So, yes, he indeed tried to make a stroke, and he missed it, and the controversy ensued. So I am, I am wrong. Another bad bet from Joe Simons on at the turn. <laughs> just the most recent. That's okay, Joe. All right. Um, moving on. I just wanted to clarify that for the fans who we utterly confused in the first half of the show. <laughs> Expensive golf equipment. Joe, so we talked on our last podcast about I, I have a, a golf club fitting somewhere on the near horizon that hasn't happened yet, but um, I think in the next couple weeks it will happen. And not that I've been actively looking, but you know, I get a few catalogs sent to my house and sometimes I peruse them. Have you noticed how incredibly much golf equipment has gone up in the last few years? Drivers these days are like 550 bucks. The new new ones have always been slightly overpriced, but I did not aware that it was creeping up towards 600. I, I, I would have guessed it was still in the 400s. Yeah, I remember like a few years ago, like going to Dick's and being like, like seeing all the commercials during golf and then going like, oh, this is what, you know, this is the new TaylorMade driver. I'm like, oh my God, it's $350. Are you crazy? <laughs> well, that's, that's the whole thing that ultimately prevents me from getting a new driver. I want to be able to go to a place and get fitted for last year's model. That's you probably can. Can, no, you can. Can, can. I, can yeah. I do that? You can. So I can go down to the local place where I go to get fitted for clubs. I'll say, hey, I need to get a new driver. I don't want to pay 600 bucks. The technology boost from 2018 to 2019 isn't going to make a difference to me because I'm going from 2005 to 2019. So just take me up to 2016, 2017. I don't need those last three years of technology and they'll be able to hook me up. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, you, yeah, they, they can they'll hook you up. tell them what you want. They're, they're there to cater to you. So the thing is too, like that's off the, off the shelf. So say it's a $550 driver, but they fit you for, they say, yo, this, this specific shaft is the one for you. You need this shaft and, and these adjustments to the club. That's on top of it. So people are spending like, seven eight nine hundred bucks to get like all of the all the frills and it's just it's just crazy so i put something about this on twitter earlier in the week and i got a response from um a, a loyal fan i don't know if i have it right in front of me so i oh no we do justin green lantern golf he um shed some light onto this phenomenon about basically why clubs are being so expensive now and called it the PXG effect, which kind of makes sense. And basically, if I'm understanding this correctly, the philosophy is now that there's these expensive brands out there, PXG, Justin Rose, what did he just sign with? Miura? I think they're kind of one of those luxury golf yeah, club manufacturers. Yeah. And so the fact that there's these companies out there selling these these clubs that are like thousand, like how much is a PXG driver? Probably at least over a thousand, like twelve hundred bucks for a I don't know. I, I don't have the, that too. Exactly. Like way more than you would ever consider paying. But essentially that is bringing up the price of all of the regular clubs that we're used to buying. The Callaways, the TaylorMades, the Pings. Those are now following suit. Not, not the same prices as the PXGs and the Euras, but increasing their value nonetheless. So hopefully this plateaus soon because I can't see how much more people are going to be spending on this kind of equipment. I'm almost surprised that in some ways there hasn't been a reverse effect where, okay, now we have 
<clears throat> excuse me. Now we have, you know, the Titleist, the TaylorMade, the Callaway, the Ping, sort of the traditional brands that most golfers are going to fall into that category. Like most avid golfers want that sort of equipment. Then you have the PXG. I think Exio or Oxio is one of those, like Ernie L signed with them. The one you mentioned, the Justin Rose, the high, high-end luxury brand. Why isn't there some sports company or a golf company that makes something that is less than Ping and Titleist, but more than the silly brands you see? Like, you know, I bought a Hippo driver at some point in my life for like $50. Something in between like the beginner, like real remedial stuff and like the Titleist Ping. The high end, the middle, and the low end. Because the low end is so low that I don't even recommend, because sometimes people that recommend like, that know I like golf and they're total beginners, like, hey, how much is a set of golf clubs? And I usually say, you know, buy something used for a couple hundred bucks because you're not going to be able to buy new clubs in the Ping Titleist range that are going to be something that you want to spend if golf isn't an everyday activity for you. So I'm surprised there isn't like a niche golf company that caters to the occasional golfer, but still gives them high end enough equipment to have it be worth their while. It's, it is very interesting because the more that this price gap, you know, increases, the more there is a market for that. And I think what people are doing, what people are accustomed, like you and me to doing, and you just mentioned it is, all right, this $550 drivers in the market, I'm going to go back. That means the one that was out two years ago, just dropped another 50 bucks. That's the one I'm going to get. And so I think that's one option, but it will be interesting to see if, I mean, not, a, not necessarily, I mean, a plug for vice, but these, if maybe a, a golf club company that's similar that, that makes clubs that sells direct to the consumer that skips all of the, you know, PGA tour sponsorship, you know, baloney and all of the marketing stuff and just makes a great product, but also sells it as a reasonable price because they're the market for that is growing. Every time a new line of clubs comes out, the market for that grows and grows because the people like you and me who love golf, but are certainly not rich, you know, we're kind of in this in this middle ground where like, yeah, I want to get fit for a set of clubs and I want to play like the best clubs for me, but I don't have thousands of dollars to spend, you know, whenever I want to upgrade my equipment. Someone who does have all the money in the world for all the equipment he wants. Legendary quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, lead NFL analyst for CBS and last place finisher at the most recent PGA tour event, Tony Romo. Yeah. He finished plus 15. Yikes. 79 in this first round. So he did break 80, which is good. I'm surprised. I shouldn't be, but I, I am surprised he didn't beat one or two guys. Well, this was kind of his warm-up for the big one that's coming up. He's playing the Byron Nelson, I think, in May. Yeah, I think you're right. You've got to get it together. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with him finishing last because... He's not a professional golfer, and he's playing against professional golfers. I mean, it then should be why he, Then why is he even out there to go out and finish dead last? Well, somebody's got to finish last, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you think? I mean, just quick logic. In a tournament of 143 professional golfers in one not professional golfer, who's going to finish last? But I'm being led to – by Tony Romo's presence in these tournaments – I, as a viewer and someone who doesn't watch Tony Romo play golf very often, the, in my mind, the possibility exists that he could shoot 69 in one of these tournaments. Otherwise, why would he be out there? If he doesn't think he can break par in these events, I don't think he would be out there. 
Yeah, I'm sure he thinks he can break par. I mean, he shot 79. He broke 80. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it's not breaking par. But I think I think he was one over on his back nine. So, I mean, obviously there's a huge gap between Romo and, and these guys. But plus 15, I mean, Joe, do you ever – I mean, sometimes I go into a golf tournament um, leaderboard, and over the weekend I'll just scroll to the bottom and just see, like, Who's who's completely blown up and what they're shooting? Yeah, I like to do that. Do you ever too. do that? Yeah, of course. Plus fifteen after Friday, it's not uncommon to see one or two or three guys in that in that territory. Yeah, but no one's gonna remember, you know, unless it's Tony Romo. Yeah. So that's the whole point: is that he's in the. It's not. It's not like what he's doing is uncharted territory to go out there and, and finish plus fifteen and finish last. It's not good. It's you, don't not go good. The, you don't go into the tournament hoping that's what happens. But he did shoot one round in the 70s. And, yeah, maybe if he can get it to, like, plus nine next time, I think that would be more respectable. You're taking it way too easy. And, look, I, I love Tony Romo, but I think you're taking it way too easy on him, man. Well, you want him to go out there and shoot, like, 73, 75 and miss the cup by three? Hell, yeah, I do. Well, yeah, I, I want that too, Joe. But that's not that, – that's a – Great hope, and it's not impossible, but it's not a reasonable expectation. I still stand by my statement that if he goes out and hangs a couple of 85s on the board at the Byron Nelson, this is all done. He's he's there, there's there's no more playing PGA Tour events for Tony Romo. I and agree. Tell you what, tell you what, Tony, we'll see you in 11 years on the yeah. Champions Tour, and that's pretty that's much good, it. that's going to be a long 11 years. I I, I hope he breaks 80 <laughs> at the Byron. I want to see him again, or at least like the web.com. You know, maybe he'll play with Steph or something. Well, Nick, you wanted him to make the cut because uh, I think one of your bets was Tony making the cut at the uh, at the tournament. It was one of my bets. Uh, did you see the numbers on that? Was it like forty-four to one? I don't know off the top of my head. It was pretty good. Let me pull it up here. Uh, a Romo top twenty was plus fifty-five hundred. I put one dollar on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that dollar in the garbage, man. <laughs> top twenty, you never know. He makes the cut. Has a good round on the weekend. You never know. Okay, should I should I recount my first? Um, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I got uh, I got pretty cocky yesterday morning, Nick. I was feeling pretty good because two of my guys, I put ten bucks on both Tiger and uh, Louis Oosthuizen to win. I think Tiger was thirty to one, and Louis was like forty to one, something like that. And so I'm feeling pretty good. They're on opposite sides of the bracket, so I'm even envisioning a scenario where I'm just watching <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just watching the 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 round, and it basically says, "Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to win no matter what, so it doesn't really matter if Louis or Tiger wins." But they both go down in the quarterfinals. I had Rafa Cabrera Bayo as well at sixty-six to one. He didn't make it out of pool play, so in summation, three losers out of Joe. Um, yeah, it's a total bummer, Joe. But um, you're you're getting down there. I I don't have the sheet in front of me, um, but I think you were down to like seventy-five bucks last time, so. I have I have five forty five dollars, Nick. Forty five left, Joe. It's tough. I need that barn rat. I need that barn rat to come you through. Do. You do. You need that one to hit when you'll be back in the game. Um, I had Jordan Spieth and Matt Kuchar both at. I don't have them in front of me. Plus forty six hundred. I do. Um, both at plus forty six hundred for ten bucks each, and I had Aaron Baddeley winning Group A. At plus three forty for ten bucks. Um, I didn't check my battle bet. Did he make it out of the pool play? He did not. I didn't think so. So 
Going into today, Joe, and especially going into this afternoon, I looked pretty good because I had Cooch winning at plus 4,600 for 10 bucks. And the whole time I was thinking, if Cooch gets to the championship match, I'm going to hedge and I'm going to ensure that I win some money on this. And then um, it was the father-in-law's birthday. And so we had this birthday dinner. So essentially like the second that Coocher sealed his semifinal match, I, I had to kind of jet out of there and go take care, you know, go go have some family time. So I never got the chance to like look up the odds on on Kisner and, oh. and hedge my bet. And really, I didn't have the time to dedicate to my fake bet's financial well-being. And so I was just hoping that Cooch would get it done. I get the whole uh, get the whole shebang, but it didn't work out that way. So <sighs> that one really cost me. Nick, did you say one of your bets was on Aaron Baddeley in the match play tournament uh, to get out of, to uh, win his group? Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I have to call you out real quick. Aaron Baddeley is uh, not in Austin, Texas right now. Jesus, he's in the Corrales Championship. <laughs> he did. To your is credit, there, he just finished tied seventh. So, well, Joe, is there is there a Group A in that championship? <laughs> because I, I swear it says Aaron Baddeley wins Group A plus thirty four hundred. What a sucker bet! They put that out there, and he's not even in the group. <sighs> it's like they're trying to steal your money. <laughs> <laughs> They wouldn't do that. Oh, man. Well, do you have anything else or should we put a bow on it? That's it, Joe. I got to go out on that. You called me out and now I feel... Uh... <laughs> oh, boy. Well, okay. We're, yeah, not we're going to be dropping a Masters preview with our picks very soon. The Masters, we're recording this on March 31st. It, it ends two weeks from today, Nick. <sighs> then what? It's going to be such a sad time when we don't have the Masters to look forward to anymore. Well, then the Masters lottery starts, and we can look forward to being disappointed about not attending in the year 2020. Maybe I'll apply this year. <laughs> you should. Please do. <laughs> I remember, will. I promise I will. Remember, the promo code has changed to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. from Vice Golf. You want to use promo code HYBRID, like Nick's 11 hybrid. That's H-Y-B-R-I-D. No reaction out of that, Nick? Okay, that's fine. We'll keep it moving. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you on the next episode for a special Masters Preview. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.